Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. Illinois lawmakers recently wrapped up their spring session. It was a busy time. Democrats passed legislation that not only protects abortion in the state, but wipes away legal protections for the unborn. The new state budget counts on revenue from marijuana and expanded gambling. And with help from Republicans, the state gas tax was doubled to 38 cents a gallon. Former State Representative Jeannie Ives maintains the budget is not balanced. She weighed in on the spending plan during a Concerned Citizens for America meeting in Rockford. She spoke while dinner was being served, so please bear with the noise. We would love to see some sort of pushback in Illinois, but let's face it, right? <laughs> they got everything they wanted and more in the last week of spring of session. Everything they wanted and more they did in about four days the last weekend, and John sat through it all. He knows what it's about. Sometimes though, it takes some of us former members to kind of take a step back and really put it together because when you're down there, you're in the Springfield bubble, the folks back home aren't hearing it. They're not getting the information quick enough to respond to everything that's going on. I know legislators aren't getting it either. And then after the fact is when everything starts to come out. And one of the former uh, state senators, Tim Bivens, does, did he recognize, rec represent part of you guys? Uh, Tim yeah, Bivens? Out west. Yeah. Out west a little bit. So he wrote a little thing on, on Facebook and he basically put out, um, you know, all the, the nasty things that, that they basically passed this last session. And um, so they expanded abortions, right, up to birth. They expanded mm -hmm. gambling. They made uh, jails, they turned jails into polling places, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can't make it up. So they, $15 minimum wage, right, the ter a terrible idea for businesses, um, total deal killer. Legalization of marijuana, pay raises for the legislators, uh, per diem increases, mileage increases for legislators. They increased their uh, office district allotment by $19,000. That was a 27% take. A taxing uh, uh, increase over their current amount. They, uh, I mean, they just did everything. They um, then you have 85 billion dollars worth of spending that went out, right? So 40 billion dollars in the regular general fund budget, and then another 45 billion dollars in the capital budget. You had the graduated income tax proposal, the constitutional amendment go through, and then you had a gas tax go through as well. Now. The, the worst thing about it is that nobody still knows the details of the final of the other two bills, the spending bills. Nobody knows it. In fact, I'm not going to put John on the spot, but I, he probably has read the memo that came out from, from Republican staff on this. But if you didn't read the memo on Republican staff, if you're just looking at the papers and wondering, well, how much was that budget truthfully? I mean, I saw everything from $39 billion up to $40.3 billion. Really, the final tally that we spent was $40.628 billion. And they, they upped the spending by $1.5 billion when they got a windfall of revenue that came in in April, and they expect to get the same thing next year. I'm here to tell you that there was no revenue estimate passed. We don't know really if that revenue is going to come in, but there's no agreed number to come. To, to, to base a budget on $40.628 billion. And they are saying that it is balanced to the penny and including $200 million for back bills. $200 million for back bills when you're sitting on $7 million in back bills? That is a pittance. And let's put this into context. 
$40.628 billion in spending is a 5.5% increase over last year's spending bill, which was the largest in the state prior to that. So ever-increasing spending and out-migration continuing to go on and on and on. So, I mean, the funny thing about the budget bill is everybody who's a policy expert or a media type, they're all trying to dig into a 1,500-page spending bill, I think an 800-page um, capital program, maybe, something like that. You know, all these pages and pages of documents, we still don't know where all the money's going. We have no idea. And, and, and that's what's shameful. The whole process is broken. The whole process is broken. And I hate to tell you, but I'm going to have to just call out my Republican colleagues a little bit on this. You know, Leader Durkin put 10 votes on that budget bill. 10 votes. So now you've got Democrats going out and saying, we passed a bipartisan balanced budget. First of all, nobody believes it's balanced. And just wait. This bill includes, just for the general fund, just the general fund, they're including about $1.2 billion in borrowing. Last year, when they did the same thing, they said, we're going to borrow $1.2 billion to help pay down some back bills. When it came out in August, and they had to go be honest with the SEC when they went to go borrow money, and they had to be honest with the bond market, they revealed, after saying it was a balanced budget last year, they revealed to the SEC in bond authorization documents that the budget was in fact not balanced by $1.2 billion, that they had no idea when they were going to make up that shortfall, and they had no idea where that money was going to come from to make up the shortfall. So just get ready. Wait till August when they go out to try and borrow this money. I'm ready. I'm waiting to find out that in fact this budget is not balanced. That's what we're going to find out. So, I mean, th this is what happens when you pass things in the dark of night and, and nobody knows it. And literally, it was done pretty much at night on a holiday weekend. And it's just sort of shameful how they did all this. But um, th this, is, this is all about process. But my problem with that, too, is when you looked at the debate, and I've ta I talk to legislators. I, I, you know, they, they talk to me, and I, and I find out kind of what's going on. But it was a, but it was a structured debate. Republicans agreed with Democrats that we're only going to have three members on each side discuss the budget. And no other member can discuss it. So you're going to have three members on each side get to debate it. And no other member is going to be recognized. And those members were teed up ahead of time. Because one member told me, look, I, Jimmy, I had my speak button on the entire time I was first there ready to speak, wanted to speak about the, the budget bill, they would not recognize me. Which this is the part of the collusion, the, you know, you want to talk about collusion, it, it happens down there. This is the part that I find maddening. And it's the part that you can read all the documents you want, you can read the media reports on the budget numbers, and we don't even know all of it. But I think you need to understand process. I think you need to understand that essentially uh, they just fell in with the Democrats and decided we need to look like we're getting something done. Now, you can get into that Springfield bubble and just feel like, well, you know, you got to do something together. You know, come on, you got to be a team player, right? But back home, back home now that I'm not in there, I'm telling you right now, everybody else is just mad as hell. What are we going to do about it, right? They're just mad as hell. 
They, they, they didn't expect this. They didn't want this. Look, we thought the gas tax was closed off. We didn't think that it was going to be. It got tabled by the original sponsor back in February when he got a lot of heat. And what did they do? They slowly worked behind the scenes the entire time. They got Republicans to go on with that. That was another thing, the gas tax bill. 20 Republican votes to hike your gas tax. 20 Republican votes, bipartisan passage. We did a great thing, bipartisan. I don't know about you, but we already, but you should know, we have the highest tax burden um, in, the United, in the United States when you put it all in, sales tax and um, property taxes and, and everything else. Highest tax burden in the United States uh, based on cost of living. That's the state of Illinois. And these guys are tone deaf, are tone deaf. And so they knew that the gas tax was gonna be problematic. So what did they do? It was another one of those. After a few hours, they pop out the gas tax bill. Now I will tell you that I know that other legislators, that even Republicans, were in on the deal. They knew, they were negotiating this the whole time. They want some big infrastructure projects done. I'm not gonna deny that we don't need to fix our infrastructure, but there were so many things that are inherently unfair. So for example, we're doing some massive expansion on railways, commuter railways, Pace is getting some nice, some nice provisions, things like that. But there was, there's so much unfairness in the system. So where we are in the Chicago metro area, it is a rule that 50% of the cost of the fare has to be picked up by the rider. That's not true downstate. I, I, was, I sat on mass transit for four years, and down, we did some studies. And sure enough, down in Springfield, where if you want to take a mass transit ride on pace, only 9% of the cost of the fare has to be picked up by the rider. Well, why is that fair? Or let's look at the gas tax itself. Up where I'm from, and I know you guys don't have it except for IAA, I'm sorry, but up where I'm from, what do you have? You have 294, <laughs> I-88, uh, I-90, 390, 355. These are the major arteries that get you in and around the suburbs. So who is paying the preponderance of um, any infrastructure costs when it comes to roads? People in the suburbs are paying <coughs> that cost for nearly the rest of the state. Why? Because we are the ones that have the toll roads on top of a gas tax now, on top of an increased vehicle fee. We are going to feel the brunt of the cost. And additionally, we're paying at least half of the fare when we go to use Metra, Pace, CTA, because that's the requirements. Chicago doesn't have that. 57 is not a toll road, 55 going in is not a toll road, 90 going in only part way is a toll road. And, and 94, 9094 as it goes around Chicago is not told either. So who pays this? The suburbs are getting hit. We're getting slaughtered up there. We're also paying the bulk of the income tax in the state as well. So I don't know how those suburban Democrats could vote for this garbage, but Repul the 20 Republicans who, who uh, did vote for it let some of those suburban Democrats off on that. So we didn't solve any of those problems in this state. So I, I just, I mean, some of this stuff never got settled out. We got nothing from the Republican side. They wanna say that they negotiated something fair. I'm telling you right now, we got nothing. <coughs> on top of it, and I wrote a fairly, I wrote, wrote about 900 words on this on an Illinois Review article, if you wanna pick it up, on the debt, on the budget bill. Uh, additionally, I mean, the, the capital bill was full of pork projects. 
They're building, with your tax dollars in the city of Chicago, a $1.5 million park. $1.5 million park. Hey, if you want to build a park, why not towards aborted babies? But I'm not that's even what, in favor of that. Saying. I'm not even in favor of that. The state is broke, and they gave away member initiative money to every single member. They were told, they were told, you know, give us your list of projects that you want done in your district, and we're going to put them in for approval. Democrats, I was told, were given more than Republicans. Senators more than representatives. Here's the problem. We don't know what we don't know on that budget. And even if you follow the bill, which I started to read through HB 262 or SB 262, with all its capital projects, I started to read through it. You cannot even decipher whose district it's in. You have to look, you have to know inherently where this money is going. You can't even understand what the project is really about. So the problem here in Illinois, though, is that they do all this completely in disregard of letting the public know in advance what's going on. Um, they're very proud of the fact in this budget that they that they upped um, education funding. So it's now $375 million for the evidence-based model. They added in an extra $25 million. $50 million of that goes for property tax relief grants. I wrote something on this. Some of you people who follow me know what I feel about property tax relief grants. I'm just going to tell you, your school districts are getting taken advantage of by school districts like Oak Park River Forest. So Oak Park River Forest is one of 27 school districts that applied for, well actually 300 and some school districts applied to get a property tax relief grant. Oak Park River Forest got one of those grants. So the whole thing behind it is, is that this $50 million pot of money for, for property tax relief grants is essentially there to give to a school district who says we won't tax our property owners as much if you give us additional money from the state. And they had to have, the, the biggest discriminator is they have to have a high tax rate. Well, Oak Park River Forest is part of Cook County. And Cook County has, has the worst assessment system in the state. It is, you know, fraught with errors everywhere. And so Oak Park River Forest more than likely has a high tax rate because they have an under-assessed valuation and they tax for their schools a lot of money. So they became eligible for property tax relief grant. But I'm telling you right now, Oak Park River Forest is the least deserving of a the property tax relief grant. They spend almost $24,000 per kid. Almost $24,000 per kid. That's nearly the double the state average. If they wanted to give their residents property tax relief, all they had to do was levy less. Instead, they went out in the, in the state, which is just, it's mind-boggling that they gave them this relief grant. The state gives them this relief grant. So the states, they have to abate to their taxpayers about $5.8 million in year one. They get $3.8 million to supplement supplemental from the state, but they get that every single year for the next 10 years for only giving back $5.8 million. It's a scam. And when the state's giving people like Oak Park River Forest more money, $38 million more over the course of 10 years, guess who's picking up the load? You are. We are. Everybody is. So this is one scam perpetrated upon people after another. But they're also very proud of the fact that they gave 
an additional $50 million to early childhood education. The state is paying, in my home school district of Wheaton, $17,000 per kid for a four-year-old preschool. $17,000 per kid. That's higher than U of I's um, tuition and fees. $17,000 per kid for four-year-old preschool. It's crazy. It's crazy. And so they're very proud that they're going to spend $50 million more. Who can only imagine how, who else are they funding at that level now, too? Former State Representative Jeannie Ives at a Concerned Citizens for America meeting in Rockford. She'll be joined by State Representative John Cabello in the next segment of Illinois Family Spotlight. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. Among the decisions coming out of the Supreme Court this term was a big case on religious liberty. By a 7-2 margin, the court found that the Memorial Cross in Bladensburg, Maryland, could remain. The 40-foot cross, now on public land, has honored the World War I dead for nearly 100 years. It's an enormous win. A very key takeaway is what the court did with the Lemon Test, the test of constitutionality of government involvement when it comes to religion. The problem with the Lemon Test, resulting from a 1971 case is that it has always been subjective and often used in ways that are hostile to religious expression. In his concurring opinion, Justice Neil Gorsuch declared simply, Lemon was a misadventure, and a majority of the justices made clear that the Lemon test is no more. That's good news. And by a convincing 7-2 majority, the Supreme Court of the United States said that the Bladensburg Cross, and thus other similar crosses and religious expressions, can stand. That, too, is very good news. I'm Albert Mueller. Thanks for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. During this edition, we're featuring primarily budget-related comments made by former State Representative Jeannie Ives during a forum in Rockford hosted by Concerned Citizens for America, a chapter of the Illinois Family Institute. Ms. Ives will be joined in this segment by 68th District State Representative John Cabello. So our spending priorities, we have no priorities. We just continue to spend. We're not looking at our programs as they go on. Uh, one other thing I think you might want to note is uh, that I found enlightening is what, what they have two things. They have the budget bill, and then they have what they call the budget implementation bill or the BIMP. And the BIMP is where they add in additional rules that drive the budget and its spending. One of the additional rules this year, additional legislation's passed as part of the BIMP. It's also, the BIMP is where they hide things as well. They hide things in the BIMP. The teachers mentioned spiking back up to 6% when it was taken down to 3% last year. They hide things like that in the BIMP. Here's one of the things they hid. They, in the BIMP now, it allows that the human rights commissioners, so this is one of the boards and commissions that we have. We have I don't know, almost 100 of them, I think. The human rights commissioners are the highest paid commissioners in the state of Illinois. They make 48,000 plus. They meet about once a month. And now the BIMP says that they are now eligible to, to participate in the state pension system. And they are now considered full-time employees. Guess what? They're then going to be eligible for health care as well. You know, nobody talked about this which I go back to my Republican colleagues who should have never, never allowed debate, debate to be limited, ever. Every one of these talking points, every one of these 
specific initiatives should have been put out in the public light prior to the vote. Should have been discussed completely. They want to keep you in the dark. That's what they want to do. So, I mean, it, the truth is the left never rests and they never get punished for the things they do. How is it that there wasn't a bigger pushback considering the fact that you've got Alderman Burke under, is it criminal indictment now, right? You've got, you've got a federal criminal investigation on J.B. Pritzker, our governor, on property tax fraud. And nobody talks about this. It's like, it's a one-day headline and, and we move on. We don't bring it up every single time. The immorality of their side, the lawlessness of their sides, from the Justice Millette stuff to all the Solis were in a wire for two years, to Alderman Burke, to um, Cochran, I think Alderman Cochran, he's now headed to jail, right? Complete 100% lawlessness. We should bring it up in every debate, every time. We should talk about it relentlessly, and we don't. But they got everything. They got everything. Why? I, I mean, I, I honestly, I give the pro-life movement a huge... Uh, round of applause because we woke some people up. You know, you had 18,000 people sign on to um, uh, witness slips opposing the abortion bills. You had 4,000 people show up and basically shut the Capitol down over the abortion bills. They were pushed into subcommittee. But to the left that never rests, they needed a win. So when they saw what was happening in Georgia, Louisiana, Missouri, Alabama, Alabama when they saw that happening, I'm sure what happened is uh, the pro-aborts at the national level said Illinois' legislators open for business in this area. We need a win here. We went in, and so that's how you got the pro-abortion bill. Came up and again on a Sunday of all things of Memorial Day, the House passes the abortion bill on a Sunday with one hour's notice. One hour's notice. And it's unfortunate because I listened in to the debate kind of dis very disappointed actually in the Republicans' response to that debate. Very disappointed. They had one person who spoke. And I want John to come up though and, and say a few words and maybe dovetail off of this a little bit if you could. So uh, Jeannie, let me answer, answer some of these questions you had posed. Uh, why didn't anybody uh, bring up some of these uh, points? Well, I can tell you because the bills weren't even done for being printed yet. And I can tell you that not one single Republican read through all of these bills before they were voted on. Well, no, these were, this is different because these weren't even printed yet. They weren't even done being drafted. So we take the words of legislative leaders about, no, everything's going to be fine in the bills. Well, they're not. That's all of a sudden people are upset. Wait a minute, I just voted myself a, ta a, a, a pay raise? Well, yeah, you idiot. You didn't look what's in the bill. You didn't wait for it. Everybody in this room needs to start getting a little upset because it's your tax dollars that are being wasted. It's your tax dollars that is funding their pay increase. It's your tax dollars that are now putting kids to death. It is your tax dollars that are paying for all of this stuff and the Democrats continue to talk about equality. Equality, equality, equality. The minorities, the super minorities must have their say. Well, where is our say? We are the minority. The Republicans are never listened to in Springfield and they never will be until we stand up and say no more.
must hold everyone accountable. We must make sure that all the Republicans that are down there are told, you will not do this again. You will not do this again. You will not do this again. All these tax increases that are going to be taking place, people might not feel the hurt right away. Well, you will on July 1st, because that's when the tax increase, or the gas tax comes in. But you know where everybody is gonna feel this the most? When there's a recession. What is going to happen when there is a recession? This state is gonna have some major problems. And nobody is gonna be able to bail themselves out because all their money is going to taxes. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to make sure that we start rising up, that we get involved, that you pay attention to what's taking place. I understand everybody's got their lives, everybody has things going on, but this is what happens under the cover of darkness. These bills weren't agreed to until probably six to seven hours before the vote. Because we were asking questions, but nobody had the answers. And if they did have the answers, they were lying to us because they didn't tell us what it was in. And I cannot believe that people vote yes on things that they have no idea what's in it. Now, there's gonna be a lot more of this stuff coming out because finally we're starting to be able to, to go through it. And I hope that you get really upset because the things that the people that are gonna hurt the most in this are our struggling young, our struggling poor, and our elderly fixed income alike. That's who's going to pay the price for this. I'll get back to Gene. Thanks, John. He's, he's right, but here's the point. Look, everybody's done, people have already done the analysis. On average, the, the gas tax, the vehicle increase, uh, the tax, uh, the fee increase to register your vehicle every year, that is going to more than, that is a regressive tax. First of all, it's a regressive tax, and it's going to be, it's going to wipe out anything that you may see as a savings on a graduate income tax. Former State Representative Jeannie Ives and State Representative John Cabello during a recent forum in Rockford hosted by Concerned Citizens for America. Our thanks to Jan Kloss and the entire CCA team for allowing Illinois Family Spotlight to be there. A reminder, the Illinois Family Institute Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet is Friday night, November 1st at the Tenley Park Convention Center. Our keynote speaker, the Reverend Franklin Graham, is sure to give a bold challenge for today. You'll want to be there. For tickets, visit IllinoisFamily.org, that's IllinoisFamily.org, or call 708-781-9328. The number once again, 708-781-9328. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. All donations are tax deductible. And tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.